It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. I want you to open your Bibles to the, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 21 and verse 34. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. The title of my message this morning is, How Shall We Escape? How Shall We Escape? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you for how you have revealed your word to us from the very beginning. And Lord, that even as we look today, we're seeing prophecies from the Old Testament being fulfilled. Lord, open our eyes today. Give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding to look into your word, that we can be alert, awake, be ready for what you are doing in our day and age. And Father, that we can be an instrument in your hands to help uh, be a witness for you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear the words of, of our Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighted down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties or cares of life. And that day, everybody say that day. That day. <laughs> you got to underline that. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always uh, on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Now, how many of you believe that what the Lord said was, was and is true? Amen. You think, how many of you think maybe that Jesus just kind of like, well, he just, nothing else to do, so he just kind of start telling some fables or something like that, that, you know, just throwing something out there. This is a pretty uh, positive statement here. It's not a, you know, well, this might happen or this could happen. If, if things, if, if, if this, everything goes just accordingly like this, then this, is, this might happen. Huh? No, this is pretty, pretty straightforward. He says that, um, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. And then he says, be always on the watch and pray that you may, may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So he says that it's going to happen, it's going to come upon the whole earth, but there's a, there is a possibility, there is a, there's an option here. He says that, that, that pray that you be able to escape. So there is this window, there's this uh, escape route that the Lord has prepared for us. Now turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verses, the first three verses. We'll hear what the Apostle Paul, writing to the Hebrews, what he has to say. And um, I'm reading from the New International Version. He says here in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Now, something I want you to, to take note of here. Let's just do a little bit of um, side notes to see where we're at here. Who's he talking to? Paul says, we. And he does, he's not speaking French here. He's saying we. So that means believers. He's talking to believers here, okay? And uh, he says, we must pay the most 
careful attention, therefore, uh, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. You know, Israel had kind of drifted away. They'd heard things, but uh, they drifted away. So what have we heard? What have we heard? Well, we're hearing a lot. We just heard what Jesus had to say. Jesus, we just heard what he had to say, and he said, uh, be careful, be, be careful, or your hearts will be weighted down with the carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties or the cares of this life, and that day will close on you suddenly, everybody say suddenly, like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth, and then he says, be always on the, guard, on the watch, and pray that you may be able to escape all. So he says, pray that you be able to escape all. And Paul was saying up there to Hebrews, he says, how shall we escape if we ignore or neglect so great a salvation? Now, there's a way of escape, and God allows that, but how can you escape if you are negligent of the great salvation that God has provided for us? So there are some contingencies here. You see that? Um, So he says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Well, there's a comparison here, and, and Paul's writing to the Hebrews, and so he's, he's reminding them that, you know, there was something that was, that he says in verse 2, he says, for since the message spoken through angels was binding. Now, what's he talking about there? The message spoken through angels was binding. In Galatians, Paul tells them, he, he makes a statement that, uh, he says, the law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. And then in Acts chapter 7, verse 53, he says, who has received the law by the dispensation of, dispensation of uh, angels and have not kept it. So what he's referring to here is the law of Moses. Uh, He says that it was binding. If the law of Moses was binding, how much more this great message of salvation? How many think that the the law of Moses was binding? If God said he was going to issue some punishment, it happened. It did happen, right? So we know that, and we're even seeing some prophecies being fulfilled today. So if the law of Moses was binding, he says, um, you know, hey, what makes you think that he's not going to keep his word here? He, he told us that there's a way of escape. One thing that we have heard and one thing that, that's an example of, of uh, this binding promise that God has said is a prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. If you'll turn to Daniel chapter 9, that's a fascinating script, passage of Scripture t- to me because Gabriel comes to Daniel and he, uh, the Lord gives this interpretation or this prophecy to Daniel And Daniel begins to prophesy, and it's about punishment that's coming upon Israel because they had drifted away, because they had neglected what God had told them to do as a nation, and they just kind of went about their own business and and did did their own thing. And so God says, because of that, I'm going to issue some punishment upon you. And it's known as the 77s, okay? And it's 70 weeks or year, uh, groups of years of seven. Remember, in, in the Bible, God's timetable, he does certain things in seasons and times. And uh, a lot of times you'll see that a groups of seven years, he'll, he'll lot out things in seven years. And seven sevens is 49 years, and then that next one is, the, is Jubilee. And so he does a lot of things off of this, this particular number. And here comes this prophecy about the 77s. And so in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, turn there, let's look at this, okay? Everybody's still with me. We're going to have to try to set a little foundation here to know what we're going to escape from. From, right? Or to, to see if we really want to escape from it. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, it says, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to be finished or to finish transgressions, 
to put an end to sin and to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So God says, look, you got, you've messed up, you missed it, so now then there's going to be some, it has to be some, some punishment that comes in here to, to pay for so that we can bring about these things that are necessary to, to finish transgression. The transgression that's been against me to, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Wow. So he says, you know, it's, it's going to take 70 uh, sets of seven years each. 490 years, basically, is what is allotted out there. Wow. And, you know, what's interesting is that these things that was prophesied, most all of them have happened at the cross, when Jesus came to the cross. Verse 25, it says, know and understand this. Now, when the Bible says know and understand something, we probably ought to listen up just a little bit, at least to give one ear attention to it. Know and understand this. From the issuing, now this gets a little technical, okay? So all you that like, you really like to study and get into research and stuff, you'll like this. I'll help the rest of us out here just a little bit. So he says, no one understand this from the issuing of the decree, the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. Okay. So just chill out. Just relax. No real big deal. Okay. In 445 BC, Nehemiah went and said, Hey, we need to go back and rebuild the wall, the, the city. And so the king uh, said, okay, go ahead and go. So that's what he's talking about. He refers back to the, t- the point of time there. He says that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, which was 445 B.C., everybody got that? No test after this. You can, you're on your own. It's no big deal. Until the anointed one, which is who? Jesus, the anointed one, the ruler comes. There will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. Why does he break it up like that? Well, because it took seven sevens or 49 years, basically, to restore Jerusalem. So he's breaking it up like that because he said from the restoring of Jerusalem and then until the, the anointed one comes so that it's kind of getting in that sense of, of mindset, I guess, and uh, to make you study it out too, I guess. So he says, so after this, uh, this happens, he says, uh, after the, the 770s, and he says, after the, uh, he, he says, well, let me find where I am. Uh, oh, yeah, there it is. Okay, sorry. Um, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens, all right? So that means, so seven and 62 are what? 69. Everybody got that? So 69 of these sevens, I hope y'all are just thinking real, real deep instead of like going, huh? So he says seven sevens and 62 sevens. So seven plus 62 is 69. Now, how many, 70, how many sevens was originally issued? 70. All right, so we're going to have 69 of them we're going to be taking, taking care of when Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, rides in through the triumphant gate and they recognize him as the anointed one. Okay? So and if, you, if you figure it up, it actually comes out to be with the Jewish calendar of years of 360 days. If you figure from 445 B.C., this, the time frame, it figures out to just about the time when Jesus would have rode into the city on the donkey on that triumphal Sunday. Wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, God doesn't make mistakes. And if this is binding, I mean, he does that to say, okay, I want you to see, track it back. And we know because they wrote these things down in the annals of history back there when the king says, okay, you can go and you can rebuild Jerusalem. And so they kept a time frame of this. And so it says, after the 62 sevens or 483 years, 
which brings us up to this about 30 AD time frame, the anointed one will be cut off. Or we know he was crucified. The anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the root. Now then, so that's kind of a, a stop. So Jesus came in as the Messiah and, you know, hey, so time, the time frame is fulfilled, but then they don't accept him as the Messiah and he's cut off. So things stop. There's a change. Something else is happening here. If they would have accepted Jesus as the Messiah, we would have gone right on into the, his reign and uh, just what had been prophesied. But they didn't, so God opened up the day, of this, the, the day of grace, and he brought in and allowed the church, you know, all of us to be brought in and grafted into the body of Christ. Amen? But how many years or how many sevens were fulfilled up to that time when Jesus came in and then he was crucified? Sixty-nine. Now, I don't know... How, how you were raised, but if my dad ever told me, when we get home, you're getting a whipping. It might have been 69 minutes, <laughs> but I want to tell you something. He never forgot. There's a lot of things my dad forgot in his life, but one thing he never forgot was when we got home. Let me tell you about our father in heaven. He, when, he don't forget. If he said 70, he didn't mean 69. He meant 70. Now, 69 are fulfilled, all right? But now then, what's happened? Since Jesus, the Messiah, was rejected, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And He says, then all this whole church dispensation, which the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, he said, this has been hidden from all ages, but it's been revealed to me that the church is the manifold wisdom of God. It's going to show principalities and powers how wise God is and how he can bring in everyone, whosoever will may come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Every, not just the Jews. Now this punishment that was issued out wasn't for everybody, but it's going to come upon the whole earth and it's mainly for the Jews. But there's a promise here that you don't have to go through it because the Bible says that God has not called us to suffer wrath. You know, he doesn't want to just be the bad guy, you know, just punishing whoever he can punish. He's made a way, and there's forgiveness. And if we'll follow that, then that forgiveness works for us, right? Are you following that? So here we are back in Daniel chapter 9, between Daniel uh, t- verse 26 and verse 27. So he says that when the, uh, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing, then it goes on and says, the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. That happened in 70 AD. The people of the ruler who will come were the Romans. And at the end time, we know that from other prophecies that there's going to be a revival of the Roman Empire. Now, there's a lot of thoughts I have on that, but we don't have time to go into that right now. But there will be that revival, and Daniel had some other revelations and, and, and prophecies. But so they came, they destroyed the city because the temple had to be, restored, had to be destroyed. We know that because in a minute we're going to see where it's already built, and they're offering up sacrifice, so something had to happen somewhere. And right now there's no temple that the, the Jews can offer sacrifices to. That's what this big... All this debate and, and, and wars and, and enmity between them is on that dome where, the, where the, the dome of the rock is built there, over the rock where Abraham offered up Isaac. There's that big, uh, you've seen that big, uh, 
with the gold dome and all that, you know. Well, that's where the Muslims believe that Muhammad and his horse, you know, they ascended to heaven. So there's this big fight over that area. That's the, the, where the temple used to sit, where Solomon had his temple. The Jews are going to rebuild a temple. In fact, we'd had uh, some guests here, some speakers here. Reuben had come. He's a, a Levi on call. He was showing us a lot of things and also telling how that they're already preparing articles for the third temple and uh, they're getting it ready because they're going to they want to start their sacrifice again well all of this has been set aside see from 70 AD it was boom it, it hasn't happened so but it's going to happen now listen and Daniel doesn't know all this i mean this was way before any of this thing happened and, and but God's revealing it to him so he says here um, that the, the anointed one is going to be cut off. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Uh, and then it says the end then. So that happened in 70 AD. Now what was hidden because he couldn't talk about it, like Paul said in Ephesians 3, was the church. Between the, the temple being destroyed and then the end coming, or the, the, the next part of that verse is us. We're, we're slid in there, okay? And it's the church that sets in there. Like Paul said, it's been hidden from all ages. So then it goes, it says, the end will come like a flood. Now, I've read this many, many times, and I usually just kind of skip over that, but that's just one little, one other little confirmation because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Just one other word of confirmation from what was spoken years and years, uh, centuries prior. The end will come like a flood, War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm, he, now notice there's a little insert here, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Now, we had 69 sevens up to here. Here's that 70th seven. Everybody with me? Y'all follow me? It's okay to have Bible study on Sunday morning? I know it's early. We might have to get the ushers to get some more coffee. Okay, so here's the seventy. Seven, the 70th seven. So he says, he, this is, and I'll just let you in. That's speaking of the Antichrist, okay? He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven or three and a half years in, and that's where a lot of times you, you'll hear a separation. We'll talk, well, after the first three and a half years, this is where it comes from. In the middle of the seven, he, the Antichrist, will put an end to sacrifice and offering and on a wing of the temple, meaning that the temple had to have been built, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now, we're real close. I believe that the Antichrist is already on the earth. <gasps> Pastor. Hey, Satan doesn't know when Jesus is coming back. I believe he's had... His man, an antichrist, is basically with that spirit, an antichrist spirit. I believe he's had him ready because he doesn't know. You know, it could have been a thousand years ago or whatever. He's got to have, and we've kind of seen through history certain things that like, man, that was weird. I mean, look what they did. Look what happened. You know, I think it was through a spirit, a spirit of antichrist that in, in, uh, through Hitler and that regime just destroyed the hatred for the Jews. Am I saying Hitler was the antichrist? No, but I'm just saying that Satan has always has someone on deck that he's setting up that if, if you know, God... It, it, calls up the, at the rapture, he can get that guy in place right then. He's got to have somebody ready at all times because he doesn't know. 
doesn't know the hour. So yes, I believe that someone is on the face of the earth right now that will step in that Satan will use as an antichrist, okay, as the antichrist. And so uh, he has him ready. But until that time, what has to happen is, is that um, we come up to this point, and then there's going to be a man that comes on the scene. Now, I believe that those that are watching and ready that are going to escape all this are going to be taken out. And as soon as they're taken out, according to Thessalonians, that then that's when the one that's restrains or holds back, which is the spirit-filled believers, when they're gone, then this man of sin, this Antichrist, there's nothing to restrain, restrain him. He steps on the scene as a world leader. He makes peace with Israel, world peace. They're allowed to build their temple again and begin to offer up sacrifices. Everything's cool for the first three and a half years. And then all hell breaks loose really does. See, some other things are going on in heaven. Now, where is Satan all this time? You know, he's, he comes before God's throne. One time I had a guy get so mad at me when I said, well, you know, Satan, he's, uh, he, he's there in heaven every once in a while. What? It says that he's the accuser of the brethren. He comes before God's throne. He's accusing us. And he comes up with all his claims, and he's presenting all of his claims against you and arguing those things. So he's the prince of the power of the air, and he's uh, trying to manipulate all these things. And in Revelation, it says, around Revelation 12, I believe it is, it says that um, when we all get there, when all the saints are, are caught up, and at the end of the first three and a half years, all those that had gone, that didn't escape and went into this tribulation, they're taken out, this greater numeral company. Then it says that Satan is hurled out of heaven. And Jesus prophetically said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And, and I like the word hurled because it's like, kind of like, you make me sick. <laughs> and he, Satan is hurled to the earth. And what he does, he has the keys of, of, the, of the, the abyss and he releases. And it talks about the descriptive words of, I'll just tell you in my own words, it's like he releases the caverns of the deep where all these demons that we've been binding uh, and, and refusing to move have been kept throughout these years. And they're loose. And it's like, it says it's like darkness comes. I've been to Carlsbad Caverns in the evenings when all the bats fly out of Carlsbad Cavern. Anybody seen that? And it just gets like, whoa, I mean, it's dark. And that's the, that's the vision that I have of when all those demonic spirits are released upon the earth. Man, it's just like darkness happens. Wow, what a bad time. So Satan literally is hurled, and he is incarnate here in the flesh. Who was the Antichrist is now Satan in the flesh for the last three and a half years. The good news is that no born-again believer, no born-again believer, no born-again believer will go through that last three and a half years. It's only the time of Jacob's trouble, referring to Israel. It's the completing of that 70th year. But let me just tell you something. As bad as the last three and a half years are, you don't want to be around for the first it is bad. And that's where that he's saying that, hey, when this judgment comes upon all the earth, that Jesus was saying, he says, you pray that you be able to escape all of this, all of it. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking to the Hebrews. He says, how shall we escape? But he's saying, but how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? A great salvation. 
Man, this great salvation, I mean, it saves, as Brother Clem Foster used to say, from the guttermost to the uttermost. I mean, there's no separation. The scope of salvation is so broad. And the hope of salvation is pretty awesome, too. Everlasting life. If we believe on him, it's a great salvation. You see, it has redeemed me uh, from the penalty and guilt of sin. It is redeeming me and, and, uh, from the power of sin every day when I call upon the name of the Lord. And one day when I'm in heaven, I will be free from the very presence of sin. It's a great salvation. It's a great salvation. The greatest love that was ever shown was shown from the Father when he sent his only begotten Son. Man, the greatest deed that was ever done was when Jesus accepted the task and came. It's a great salvation. And you see, we're not saved just to sit around and suck air and grow old. We're saved for a purpose. We're saved to serve him and to be his example and, and to be the body of Christ. And, and uh, we're, we're saved to do some things. But if we neglect that, he's saying, how shall you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? You see, God has a timetable, and he's keeping things on schedule. Jesus said, no man knows the hour of the day, only the Father. God knows that time. He, he has his timetable. He's keeping everything on schedule. It's just that nobody else knows his timetable. Uh, you know, God knows the end from the beginning. It's what the Bible says. And that, uh, you know, we ought to always be looking for the triumphal return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know... It, I'm wearing my Adidas Ultra Boost because I'm getting ready. I'm practicing for rapture. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, getting ready. I want to go up. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. But he says there in verse 3 of Hebrews, How shall we, believers, escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, notice this is a warning of neglecting salvation, not rejecting salvation. That's important. Because a lot of times people just kind of blow, they think, oh, well, he's talking about rejecting salvation. No, he's not talking about rejecting. How many know the difference in neglecting and rejecting? Neglecting uh, gives the sense that I have something that I'm not, that I'm neglecting, that I'm not, you know, paying attention to, that I'm not taking care of, or I'm not honoring if, if I neglect that. Or if I've been given a task, you know, so I have a task that's been given, so I'm neglecting it. Rather than rejecting means I never received it. I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to take it. And both are bad in, in the case of it's the Lord given, but there's a difference. And he's talking about neglecting. And so he's talking to believers here. Everybody understand this? Last week, I'll just say it, I got my feathers ruffled just a little bit when I heard an area-wide pastor say that, kind of scolding some of us pastors that were preparing people. He says, pastor, there's some pastors that are preparing people for the rapture and not for the tribulation. Well, let me just tell you something. My first purpose is to prepare you for rapture. I don't want any of you having to hang around here for any of the tribulation that comes on. See, so I'm going to prepare you to get out of here. I want to prepare you to escape. I want you out of here. I don't want you hanging around. Now, if, huh? He said, we ought to be preparing people for the tribulation rather than preparing for the rapture. And he said that he was scolding some of us pastors, and I'll admit that I'm one, that I want to prepare people for the rapture, not the tribulation. You can go buy books about how to survive, you, can, you know, and how to, when, when it all hits the fan and all that stuff and preppers, and that's all around out there. You know, you can, you can read all that stuff, and it's going to be bad. 
but I don't need to waste my time on that. I want to prepare you to get out of here. Because if I prepare you to get out of here, then I don't have to worry about hanging around and having to do all that stuff, right? Paul said, I want to present you as a bride. I want to present you before the Lord spotless. And that's my desire. I want you to so fall in love with Jesus that nothing else matters. You don't need to understand all the theology. You can just throw all that. It doesn't matter what happened at uh, 45 AD or BC and 70 AD and all that stuff. Forget all. Don't worry about all that stuff. Just, Just fall in love with Jesus. Just fall in love with Jesus. It doesn't matter if you understand all the facts and whether it's 70 or 69 or 68 or there were 62 and then there were seven others. I don't know. Forget it. Don't worry about it. If that bothers you, forget it. Just fall in love with Jesus because that's what really matters. And if I can get you to fall in love with him, then the Bible says that, man, you're going to be able to escape all this because he says, I'm coming to get my bride. When the groom would come back, he would watch. And if she was waiting, she, she said, she had that little light there and said, I'm ready. He would holler. He'd shout. And she'd come out to meet him. And he'd get her and he says, man, come on, let's go. I've prepared a place for us in my father's house. And they would go. See, the apostle Paul said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. And he's going to come and he's going to shout for the bride to come. And the trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ, those that died with his overcoming faith, they're going to rise up first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. What a precious truth that is. Amen. So he's talking about neglecting salvation, not rejecting salvation. Neglect means to to not think about, to not respond appropriate to, to fail to do something. So you know, we just kind of go through this life, and we find a church in the, in the book of Revelation. Uh, their name is Laodicean, the Laodicean church. We see them, and, and Jesus is on the outside. He's knocking, you know, hey, can I come in? Oh, no, we're okay. We're, we're cool. We're cool. We, we, we got everything we need. We're just fine. There's a lot of churches today that's having church, and everything's fine. And Jesus is, can I come in? Oh, no, we're okay. We're okay. Go on down the street where somebody need, really needs you. We're warm and fed. We got everything we need. And to that church, he says, if you could really see, he said, you need eye salve on your eyes to see. He said, you are blind and, and naked and, you know, uh, man, and, and wretched is what he says. That's, that's believers. Hmm. So that's not where we want to fall. So he says, uh, how shall we escape if we neglect? Again, um, it's not, it didn't say, you know, if you commit these great sins, you know, if you are, you know, a vile murderer and a horrible this or that or whatever, you're not going to escape. He doesn't say anything about that. But what he does say, if you neglect such a great salvation. I mean, that kind of caught my attention, you know. He's not, he doesn't specify murderers or adulterers or thieves or infidels or atheists or scoffers. He just says, if you neglect. I don't know if you're getting this or not. It's getting real quiet in here now. I think I smell some hide burning. I'm not sure if that's it or not. <laughs> if you neglect such a great salvation. People, I want you to try to really get a hold of this because... You know, maybe there's always somebody that can stand there and, and tell us, well, it's not so bad. You know, your sin's not so bad because of whatever. Well, it's not, a, it's not based on that. It's just neglecting this great salvation, neglecting what he gave us to do. 
You know, there's many parables where he says, you know, that um, he left and he left his servants in charge to do something. And he went away. And he left us in charge to do something. He left us in charge, people. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28 through 31. Wow. Man, there was a sermon preached out of this back in the 1600s that just scalded people. Listen to these words here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord uh, will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hadn't heard that much in church lately, have we? <laughs> it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And what makes him angry? When we neglect this great salvation. Just take it for a common thing. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm saved. No big deal. It is a big deal. It cost him everything. My salvation cost him everything. And he didn't just save me because, you know, he saved me to serve him. You know, before the foundation of the world, God spent some time in this thing, looking down through history and our time and, and eternity, looking forward and designing you specifically for where he's going to place you in time and eternity so that you would play your part in his great salvation that he has. Some, I don't know. I wish I had somebody to preach to this morning in here. How shall we escape if we neglect, if we just say, you know, no, no big deal. Have you ever taken for granted your salvation? We probably all have, honestly, when we don't understand the magnitude or the scope of our salvation. Listen to what Jesus said again here in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. I read it earlier, but I want to read it again. We hear it, you know, once we've heard something else, sometimes then we hear something a little different. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighted down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. You know, you can get intoxicated with just the things of life. Not necessarily a substance, but you can get intoxicated with philosophies out there. And, and let's just be tolerant and let's, you know, uh, let's just love everybody. Well, we are to love everybody, but, you know, there comes a point, too, of where then that the Word of God comes into effect, that, that, uh, that we preach the Word, you know? But that doesn't mean that we condone everything. We're not here to condemn people. We're here to, to be, you know, uh, an expression of God and who he is and to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But people, I want to tell you something. In the last days, there's going to be this one world religion where everybody says, well, you know, okay, that's okay. Well, well you come on in here. Come on in here. You know, have you ever seen what Oprah's doing? Just look up Oprah and her church and just see. I mean, everybody, it's all inclusive. Well, that's a nice thing. But the, the bottom line is, is that I'm sorry. Narrow is the way. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is the way. And, and they're saying, oh, you know, to say that, you know, there's, we all serve a higher power. And uh, just to say that Jesus is the only way, and that's so, you know, that is so um, exclusive. I'm sorry. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That's what he said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And so we have to go back to that. 
He says, no one know, or be careful, or your hearts will be weighted down with carousing and drunkenness and anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Turn around and say, what happened? For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch. Does that sound like somebody that's negligent? Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Listen to what he said in Mark chapter 13. Mark 13, verse 32. Jesus said this, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. He goes on to say in verse 33, Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. Doesn't sound like somebody that's just living in neglect, not worrying about it. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going, uh, going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge. Everybody knows that? Puts his servants in charge. Are you a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? He's put you large and in charge <laughs> with dominion and authority to exercise the, the power of God. He put us in charge, each with his assigned task, each. How many people do we have here today? You got it. We're all here. Some of you aren't sure. Am I here? See, I said, how many people are here today? Is that a trick question? <laughs> I'm afraid to raise my hand. He's talking about all this fire and brimstone stuff. <laughs> neglecting. I don't know. I don't know if I'm here or not. I don't know if I want to be here. (laughs) Okay. We'll take the pressure off. You're here (laughs) and and you have an assigned task. (laughs) He said, each of us, he says, gave us an assigned task and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Hey, you know, I might be the watchman, so I'm trying to keep watch as well and to watch you as your pastor and to help you be alert. (laughs) Verse um, 35 here. I wish I made those, that typing a little bit bigger. Therefore, keep watch Don't mean negligent. Keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. Whether, and a lot of people say, well, you know, he's just coming at the, before the tribulation and that's it. I don't know where you get this stuff about coming in the mid-trib. See, I believe people say, well, are you pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? Like, we're talking about cereal here? What are we talking about? I I said, yeah, I am because I believe people are going to go before the tribulation those that are watching and waiting and longing and loving his appearing, believers who are sold out and the bride of Christ, then those, there are those that don't escape because they've neglected. They don't know. I don't know when he's coming. Yeah, but I got my thing to do. And so they're doing their thing, and all of a sudden, boom, what in the world happened? And now here's the tribulation, and things get bad. But in the middle of that, at the end of the first three and a half years, We see in the Bible there in Revelation 7 that they come up out of great tribulation. And they had palm branches. They had robes that had been washed. That's all they had were robes and a palm branch. And all they could sing was songs of salvation, you know, songs of salvation, you know. That's all they could sing about. But those that came up before, there in chapter 4 when that door opened up and here comes this one, the, the, the Philadelphia saints and the Smyrna saints, it says that they had crowns and they would fall at his throne and they're saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. I want to tell you something, there's a difference in a crown and just having a palm branch saying, thank God I'm saved. Thank God I made it in. I used to hear those old 
uh, back in the hills of Oklahoma, back down there, you know, those old holiness churches, and, and we'd go in some of those sometimes as a kid, I remember, and they'd have testimony service at the night service, and they'd say, oh, thank God I, he picked me up out of the mire and the muck. He set my feet on the solid rock, and I'm a, thank God I'm in Christ Jesus, but I'm just holding on. Wait, hold on just a second. I'm just holding on, and I hope I can make it. All I want to hear is just, the last thing I want to hear is just, I just want to hear those gates click behind my heels. Whoo. I'm like, my goodness. Well, like, man, you're cutting it awful close there. I mean, I'm just a little kid, you know. I'm like, whoo, I'm getting nervous. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want to cut it that close. <laughs> What if it closes in front of me? I'm going, oh, my God. No, uh-uh. I want to tell you, so he's made a way for all of us. And I'm not going to settle for not just barely making an end type thing. I want, man, we're going to march in, and, and the angels are going to rejoice and going to shout, the bride of the Lamb of God has come. Woo! The bride has made herself ready is what it says in, the Revel- in Revelation 19. The bride has made herself ready, not neglecting this salvation, but saying, you know what? It's an honor and a privilege to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> he says, we all have our assigned tasks there in Mark. Verse 35, therefore keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. And here it was, the different watches, whether at evening or at midnight, at the end of the first three and a half years maybe, or uh, when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, watch. Hmm. Well, let me tell you something. Right here, it evidences to us that this great salvation that we're not to neglect, we're saved to serve. We have an assigned task. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, through the uh, Amplified. Listen to the Amplified here. It says, and let us consider and give attentive continuous care to watching over one another, okay? So it says, um, you know, we need to pay attention to one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to make sure everybody's doing okay. How you doing? And how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> I mean, we need to watch over one another, and we need to be part of the body of Christ, right? Earlier through our worship, we, we joined hands together and prayed. I said, you know, you can go on YouTube and get some wonderful worship uh, songs and various things like that, but you can't, you can't go on YouTube and actually feel a hand in, in your hand and that's praying for you, that's standing with you. And so he says, uh, and the way that this Amplified breaks it down, let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up or stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. That's the Amplified. In other words, I mean, let's stir one another up. Make sure that we're on fire for God and living for him. In verse 25, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people. One of the ways that you neglect salvation is that, you know, oh, I'm tired this morning. I just don't know if I go to church or not. Now, I was, we weren't really in church from the time I was about seven years old till the time I was about 16. But after that, I... About 16, I, I, got a, I had a drug problem. My mama drugged me to church. <laughs> it wasn't a question of how you, you feel like going today, honey? <laughs> 
No, because my, you know, and mama was like, okay, let's get up. And if you didn't get up, next person in was dad. Get out of that bed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, you know, and you don't, it, you just go. I don't know, though, but, you know, really during that time, I don't remember half, like, thinking, I, oh, I have to go to church. I wanted to go to church. There's some good-looking girls at church. No. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, I wanted to go to church. It shouldn't be this thing like, oh, I don't know if I feel like it. I don't know what it, it ought to be. That You know what? We desire to go to church and that we, that we uh, fire somebody else up. Because if you're not here, maybe a, you were supposed to touch somebody else that was here. Just your presence can make a difference in somebody else's life. You might not know it. Well, you know, I, I don't have to usher today. I'm not supposed to teach. You know, I'm not supposed to, no, 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 I don't know. So if really, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to, uh, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to go and be an encouragement to somebody. Smile and, and just, man, I mean, we need to get that joy of our salvation back again. Hallelujah. It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. So it says, um, don't forsake Gathering together, don't, don't neglect to assemble yourselves together. And then he says, um, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Hello, do you see the day approaching? The thing that we are, should want to escape, it's approaching. And one of the things that it says that we can do to not neglect our salvation is to join together, to assemble ourselves together. You know, it's really not that difficult. It's really not that hard, is it? <laughs> I'm not getting any response today. <laughs> Amen. Uh, either that or we got some ventriloquist. Amen. <laughs> it's really not that difficult. We're saved to serve. We've got something to do. And we're also saved to become holy. You know, I mean, he didn't save you just to leave you like, thank God that when God sees us, when he looks down and sees us, he sees us as the, his, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So provisionally, in the reckoning of God, we are full, mature, we are holy as he is holy. But practically, in our standing is, I got a long way to go. I got a long way to go, you know. And what I do is I die daily to myself. So I've got a responsibility for this salvation that's been given to me, this grace that is amazing, that saves me, that God looks and, and accepts me and he adopts me and he places me in his family. But I've got a responsibility and that responsibility is I'm supposed to become who he says I am. A lot of people say, well, I don't know about that salvation stuff. It's all about behaving and I don't know if I can just behave right. No, it's not about behaving. It's about becoming. See, because if I become like Jesus, I don't have to worry about my behavior See, if I become like him and his nature and, and all who he is, I don't have to worry about behaving. I just don't want to do those things anymore. I don't want to wake up or 4 o'clock in the morning with my head down in the porcelain toilet where it wasn't designed to be. I don't know about you, but we used to think that was fun. Or not the end results, but what we were doing before we got there. Y'all never party or anything like that? Anybody be bold enough to say, yeah, I've done that before. I did way too much. And... You were hurling, not Satan, but you thought it was him. I mean, when we thought we had, were having fun, oh, I deserve this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I worked hard all week. I deserve to have fun. And then you wake up and, whoo, boy, take you the rest of the time to try to get over it. I don't desire that. I'm sorry. I don't desire that. I really don't. 
What I used to think was fun wasn't isn't fun at all. What I've found, what I've discovered is, oh my goodness, there's a joy that's unspeakable, that's full of glory, that's something that's changed me that I look forward to. I, I don't want any of that. I haven't missed anything. I remember as a young, oh, I don't know, you know, if I, if I, you know, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to miss out on so much. <laughs> yeah, thank God I missed out on a bunch of stuff. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me miss out on that stuff. I never spent a night in jail. I never had handcuffs. I did sit in the back of a police car one time. When they, they, uh, somebody was, uh, it was an emergency situation, and they came, and so I rode with them. And so the only place you can ride in a police car is back. Man, that's weird. Like fiberglass seats or something. <laughs> weird. And I was like, well, and no air conditioning. And it wasn't a very long ride. And I thought, that was just a little thing. Like, you know what? And, but I didn't have handcuffs on her. And I was like, man, I'm sure glad I hadn't had to ride in one of these things. With... <laughs> Give me a helmet back here, you know. But thank God I missed out on some things. Hallelujah. My mama scared me so bad about drugs. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that, you know, something looked like marijuana. I'm going to walk out. I'm going to jump out and get you, you know, or something like that. I don't know. It was just that, thank God that, you know, I, what I thought I was missing out on, good. I'm glad I missed out on it. And, and there's some things I wish, some other things I wish I had missed out on. But I learned the hard way. And we're saved to become holy as he is holy. And we take that as such a, oh, my God, I just don't think I can do it. You can't. You can't. You can't in yourself. But all it takes is just not neglecting your salvation and stepping up and saying, okay. Salvation says that when Jesus died on the cross, I died on the cross. So I'm dying today. I died to this old nature. Holy Spirit, lead me. Develop Christ in me. Make me holy as he is holy today. I set myself, I willfully set myself apart to you today to use me. Now, Holy Spirit, you do your part. Wow, it's amazing. Just day by day, day by day, save. Don't neglect your salvation. Wow. Sometimes you can tell when you neglect it a little bit, when all of a sudden something happens and boom, that anger just flares up. Or some of that, you know, instead of the fruit of the Spirit coming out, it's the something else coming out. It's not love. It's not joy. It's not peace. It's not patience. It's not kindness. It's not goodness. It's not faithfulness. It's not gentleness. It's not self-control. It's all the opposite of that stuff. So what's happened? I must have neglected a little bit there to let the Holy Spirit work on me and produce a little fruit in me. Hmm. Are we neglecting this great salvation? We're saved to be a witness for him. To go out, go. And the highways and hedges, compel them to come in. We're saved to become his wife, his bride. We're saved to become, I know guys, that sounds a little weird, you know, but it means to be one together with him. That's simply what marriage union is, is one together. We're called to be one together with Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians, and then we'll pull this down. Is that okay? I know it's been a lot of heavy stuff this morning for y'all. You okay? Everybody all right? Do anybody need any ice? <laughs> okay. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives. Oh, I know he had to get that in. So that means I'm not going to go into rapture if I'm having... Just hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, 
cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Part of our salvation is that every day, Jesus, he shows up to, to cleanse us. He brings his word for us if we'll partake of it and draw us close. Verse 27, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. One day, we're going to be presented to Jesus as his bride. Wow, if we don't neglect such a great salvation. See, that's what's happening with those, the, the, the four and twenty elders and the four living creatures make up a body of ones that, ex, that exhibit the full characteristics of Jesus Christ and, and what he was doing, representing elders and, and, and a mature relationship or a faithful relationship to him. And one day, you know, see, they're there and they're saying, worthy is the lamb, worshiping him. They're called out and making themselves ready as the, as the bride, as the wife. Hallelujah. So he says they're, they're going to be presented without stain or wrinkle. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love your wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And after all, no one ever hates his, his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. And so the whole point here is that's how Christ loves us. To be, and we're, we're saved to become one with him. Wow. One with him and that unit that united together with him. Verse 30 For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and unite to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, showing this spiritual principle becoming one flesh. This is a profound mystery, he says, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. Wow. So we're saved to become one with him if we'll not neglect this wonderful salvation that God has for us. People, he's made a way for us to escape all of these things. The Philadelphia church, it says, he says, because you've kept the word of my patience and have not denied my name, I also will keep you from that hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world to try the whole world. That's a promise. I'm gonna tell you something. If the Old Testament promises were binding, you can count on the ones that haven't been fulfilled that they're binding as well. A time's coming. A day is coming. Is it going to catch you off guard? Or are you going to start paying a little bit more attention to who you are, who Jesus is, and what it means to be a child of God, to be a Christian, to be a part of the family of God? Are we just going to say, you know what? it's just so hard anymore. Sure it is, because now there's a spirit of Laodiceaism upon the church and complacency and apathy. Yeah, we've got to fight harder to just be enthused, you know? (laughs) But that's okay, because I'm not going to neglect such a great salvation that he gave to me, because one day, you know, he's going to present me before him as to be one together with him. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.